1 Peter 4, uh, 12 through 19. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will, become, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Would you uh, pray with me as we continue? Um, Heavenly Father, we do come before you with your, um, having just heard your word and with your, your word opened up uh, to us. Um, Lord, we did just hear these words and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would uh, reveal yourself to us um, as we walk through these words together. Um, we ask uh, that you would be here in our midst. We ask that you would be just continually shaping us and molding us and uh, forming us to be uh, people who live faithfully for you. Um, so Lord, I ask that um, you would give me your words. I ask that you would help me to not be in the way at all. Um, but Lord, we ask Holy Spirit that you would speak to each one of us and um, work in our hearts work in our lives, and even as we open your word now, we ask that you would um, both encourage and convict us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> well, I'm going to venture to guess, um, throw a wild guess out there, go out on a limb and assume that, uh, I think it's a fair assumption, Assume that when you woke up this morning, you didn't wake up and say, I want to be told that I'm going to suffer. Is that a fair assumption? <laughs> you didn't wake up and say, I want to wake up and hear that life is going to be hard, right? Because naturally, we don't want to hear that, do we? We don't want to hear those words, that life's going to be hard, that life's going to be difficult, that we're going to suffer as we walk through this life. Part of that's just naturally who we are. Um, part of that, I would, I would go out on a limb too and say that as, as Christians, part of that is the gospel message that's been fed to us. Often the gospel message has been fed to us is that when we surrender our lives to Christ and turn to Christ and follow Christ, everything's going to be hunky-dory. All of our troubles are going to go away. Things are going to be good. It's going to be smooth sailing and we're going to have peace, comfort. And we do, to some extent, we have peace, we have comfort, but ultimately, in the end, is where our comfort and our peace is, because it's grounded in Jesus Christ. But in the meantime, as Christians, we do walk through sufferings, don't we? Part of the gospel message that we should be sharing with people is that Jesus has come to save, he's come to redeem, he's come to give life, he's come to die in our place. But that also comes with a cost. 
that sometimes that means our, our friends will desert us. Sometimes it means that our family will desert us. Sometimes it means that our neighbors are going to hate us. It means that people are going to speak all kinds of bad things against us. And so naturally we're people who avoid suffering, but also wrapped up in the way that the gospel is often presented and even, if we're honest, we can uh, uh, do that in our own way at times too, that, that as Christians life is hunky-dory. But we see here in our text today that we just read, that we just walked through, that as Christians we'll suffer. You see that as Christians we, we will walk through difficult times in life. Life will be hard at times. Life will be difficult. We've, we've been walking through um, this, this book of First Peter uh, for, for a bit now, and, and we've seen many things in Peter uh, of how to live in a way that's faithful to God. We've seen how to, to live faithfully in Jesus Christ. We've seen how to live uh, holy lives for Jesus Christ. We've seen um, what it looks like to, to live in submission in the public sphere and in, in the home. We've seen, we've seen many how-to areas, how-to aspects uh, in First Peter. And today, we'll see how to suffer. We'll see how to suffer for Christ. And, 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 and the specific suffering that we're looking at today, I mean, we, we recognize and acknowledge there's many ways we suffer, right? We can suffer physically, mentally, emotionally. There's many ways we suffer. But the suffering in particular that's mentioned today that we just saw in verse 14 the suffering that we're encountering today is the suffering that we endure when we're insulted because we're followers of Jesus Christ. The persecution that we'll endure because we'll be hated because of the fact that we're followers of Jesus Christ. And so uh, as we walk through uh, this passage today, we'll see that um, we will suffer when we're faithfully following Jesus. But our response should be joy-filled. We'll suffer for faithfully following Jesus, but our response as Christians should be that we're joy-filled people. And one thing that's interesting is that as we, we come to this topic of suffering today, um, yesterday uh, was June 29th. I know, I can do my math. <laughs> yesterday was June 29th, and June 29th is, is known as the day of the Christian martyr. It's, it's a day uh, of observance for all our Christian brothers and sisters in the past who've been martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ. And the reason that that falls on June 29th is, is the traditional church calendar recognizes June 29th as the day that the Apostle Paul was executed. as the day that the, the Apostle Paul was martyred for his faith in Jesus Christ. And so, June 29th, yesterday, that day of remembrance of our brothers and sisters who've died for Christ, we find ourselves today also looking at this, this topic of, of suffering. Um, and as we, we come to our text, we do uh, want to come also just being reminded and aware of, of the spiritual climate uh, of the time that this letter was written. Uh, Peter wrote this letter um, between 62 and 64 AD. Uh, different scholars uh, make different assumptions on where the date lies. Uh, but one thing we do know is that this specific time period was a, an intensely difficult time for our brothers and sisters who were following Christ. Uh, this was a time when, remember, Nero was the emperor at this time, and Nero hated Christians. 
Nero intensely persecuted Christians, uh, uh, made life absolutely miserable for our brothers and sisters, and killed them because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And if we remember in, in A.D. 64 uh, is the, the year that Rome burnt down. And now at the, the, the story goes is that uh, when Rome burnt, uh, Nero was content and happy to the extent that he was fiddling while Rome was burning down. And at the time, Rome was uh, built of uh, many buildings that were close together that were built tall, like, like wooden apartment buildings that were close together. And so it was, it was a, 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 a city that, that quickly burned. And actually, the, the accounts go that when Rome was burning, um, when people would try to put out the fire, Ro, uh, Nero's men would go and stop people from putting out the fire. And it took three days for Rome to burn, and there's many guesses as to why uh, Nero did that. One is, one is that Nero, who is hungry for power, wanted to build Rome exactly the way he wanted it built up. But we do know that Nero blamed the burning of Rome on Christians. Nero pointed his finger at Christians as the ones who burnt Rome, and, and out of that sparked 200 years of in absolutely intense persecution of our brothers and sisters. And so in God's providence, Peter writes this letter. Whether it happened before the, the burning of Rome or during the time of the burning of Rome or right after the time of the burning of Rome, in God's providence, he writes this letter to, to these believers to endure suffering, to endure faithfully following Jesus Christ, and to rejoice in our suffering. And brothers and sisters, the same message is true for us today in 2019, isn't it? That this same message that we're, we're, we're people who will suffer for faithfully following Christ, and we're to be filled with joy as we faithfully follow Christ. And, and just as the early believers here in, in Peter uh, wouldn't have, uh, um, um, just as these early Christians uh, faced intense persecution uh, for their walk with Christ, we do too, brothers and sisters. And we, we see, even here in our text, to these believers and to us, that we're not supposed to be surprised. We're not supposed to be surprised when these trials come. And we're not supposed to be surprised because when we're walking step in step with Jesus, when we're following Christ, when we're walking in line with him, when we're living according to, to his commands and, and following his word, we'll be walking out of step with the world, won't we? Because as elect exiles, remember we saw that right away in this letter, 1 Peter 1.1, 1, 1, where, where God's, God's people that he's placed his covenant love upon, living as aliens, living as strangers, as exiles in this foreign land, we won't be walking in step with this world, will we? We're instead walking in step with Jesus. And, and the way we walk is, is totally opposed. We, we, we see this in our world. I mean, we see this in our political climate, don't we? Any, any candidate maybe who has a, a Christian values and beliefs is targeted, is attacked for their, their moral standing, for what they believe in. Uh, we, we, we see this um, in, in the realm of politics. We also see this when it comes in the areas of, of uh, sexuality in our world today. In our culture, if, if we hold to what the Bible says about sexuality and gender and marriage, we're we're attacked. We're, we're ridiculed. 
we're targeted. We see this in the areas of uh, valuing life. There were people that we value the lives of, of unborn children. We value the lives of uh, our elderly who, who, who we want to live, to be able to live for God. And we're attacked for our beliefs. We're attacked, we're, we're, we're being stifled more and more uh, for our belief in Christ and for the way we live faithfully to God's word. We, we see our world walking out of step with Jesus in entertainment. I mean, just last week, Jordan and I sat down, uh, turned on Netflix to just relax and watch a movie. We, we tried two different movies before we had to stop <laughs> because they were so inappropriate. But of course our world's going to live that way, right? We see that in TV. What was, what's acceptable now was not acceptable 10 years ago on primetime or 20 years ago. What was acceptable then was not acceptable 10, 20 years before that. We even read an article in regards to music, too. Uh, an article from a secular organization who studied popular music lyrics since the 50s. And one of the conclusions they came to is that since the 50s, the amount of sexual content in music, in popular music, has spiked, is what their words were, too. Each decade spiked more and more and more. We don't walk in step with the world. We walk in step with Jesus. Amen? So why would we be surprised when suffering comes upon us? We see here in our text that we're not supposed to be surprised. When we're faithfully living for Christ, when we're faithfully following Christ and in step with Christ, we shouldn't be surprised. And even our text here says we, we shouldn't be surprised when it come, when, at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. One of the interesting things I found in my study is this, this simple word, happening, carries with it the sense of uh, kind of falling by chance. And so God's telling us, don't be, don't be surprised when you're walking through these, these fiery trials, when you're being persecuted, when you're being insulted. It's not just happening. God is allowing this to happen. And God is allowing it to happen, as we see here in verse 12, to test us. He's allowing suffering to test us. Would you uh, turn back with me to 1 Peter 1? And looking at verses 6 and 7, we, we've seen this already as we've walked through uh, 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So that the tested genuineness of your faith. God allows us to, to walk through suffering to test us, as we see in chapter 1, as we see here in chapter 4, to test us, to test the genuineness of our faith, to test the, the perseverance of our faith, to test the endurance of our faith. God allows this. God allows the suffering to happen to us. And when we walk with Christ, we will endure to the end. And, and God, God gives us this, this reminder here so that we'll be prepared. If we're not prepared for suffering, we'll not be able to handle it well, will we? If we're not prepared for anything, we can't handle it well, can we? And, and so God's preparing us. 
preparing us for suffering, that our hearts and our minds will be, will be ready. God's preparing us so that our focus will be on Jesus where it needs to be. God's preparing us so that our, our lives, so that our world won't be rocked. Our faith won't be shattered. But so that we'll keep living the way God wants us to live, which is living faithfully for Jesus Christ. And when we live faithfully for Christ, we, we will endure suffering. As we see continuing on in verses 13 and 14, that uh, when we uh, uh, endure suffering, when suffering comes upon us, we're given a most unusual command of how to respond, aren't we? We're told to rejoice, to be happy. Amen? <laughs> Not too many face palms, I guess. God, God tells us in the midst of suffering, in the midst of, of enduring difficulty and struggle, we're, we're to rejoice. And again, this doesn't come naturally to us. It doesn't come naturally, does it, Herman? Does it, Ron? When, when, when folks walk into the office and you have to tell them, this is going to hurt just a little bit, they don't go, yes! <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> right? We, we, don't, we don't like suffering. Our natural reaction is not to rejoice. But God commands us to do that. It's a command that we do rejoice. Spiritually, we're to rejoice that we, we, we're sharing in Christ's sufferings, as we see here in these verses. That we share in Christ's sufferings because we, we suffer in the same way that Christ did and that Christ suffered for doing right. And that when we're walking in step with Jesus, we're doing right. We're living according to God's word. We're living the way God wants us to do. And so we'll suffer for doing right. And what a joy it is to share with Jesus Christ that we might suffer now, but we, we are doing right in God's eyes. That's what we all want in the end, isn't it? Amen? To hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. We're called to faithfully live for Christ and to not be willing to give in, to not willing to, to compromise the truth uh, of the Word of God, to, to, not, to not give in, and to, to know that His Holy Spirit helps us to do that. God's Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, He helps us. He helps us in the midst of suffering to have uh, prepared hearts and prepared minds, prepared attitudes, so that we can rejoice in the midst of our suffering. Um, one of the biographies that I read a couple years ago was of uh, Brother Yun, which I feel like I've mentioned before, so stop me if I'm telling the same story. No, don't. Just kidding. But Brother Yun, he was a pastor in China who went through years and years and years of intense persecution because he, he was a pastor, he was a Christian, and faithfully living for Christ. And, and he would often be arrested and then beaten for anywhere from months to years, put in prison for months to years, time and time and time again. But one of the things I remember Brother Yun saying in his book, in, in the midst of the, the intense persecutions, is that often what would come to his mind, while not fun, while it was painful, difficult, what would come to his mind is, be joyful that you get to suffer with Christ. Be joyful and rejoice that you have the honor of suffering with Jesus. 
Brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit can work that in us. Amen? He can work that in us so that when we do suffer, because we love Christ, we can be joyful in the midst of our suffering for Jesus. In my study this week, um, scholar Tom Schreiner said, said this, he said, how believers respond to suffering is an indication of whether we belong to God at all. Wow. Huh? How believers respond to suffering is an indication of whether we belong to God at all. That's a good reminder for us, isn't it? How often when we, we're walking through difficult times, when we're, we're suffering for Christ, that we grumble, that we complain, that we whine, that we get angry, that we get frustrated, that we want to give up rather than responding with joy. Responding joyfully that we have the honor and privilege of sharing in Christ's sufferings because we're walking with Him, in step with Him, doing right before God's eyes, living faithful, obedient lives. Brothers and sisters, may this be just a, a good reminder for us to not be people who respond poorly when we walk through what God calls us to walk through and even what God tells us we will walk through. May we be people who respond with joy over what we're walking through when we're persecuted. And we see in our text as we continue on too in uh, the end of verse 13 that we rejoice in our suffering because of our future joy. We rejoice in our salvation, even as we saw in 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7 again that we just looked at. God has, God has the end in sight here. And this, this opposition is, is uh, uh, that of being insulted for not following the way of the world, but it would be so much better to be persecuted here and to be blessed by God, as we see in verse 14. Much better to be, be going, undergoing intense trial and suffering here and to be blessed by God. Because brothers and sisters, this is temporary. The end is in sight. The end is in sight. At the end of verse 13, when his glory is revealed, this, this language is pointing to that day when Jesus returns. To that day when, when he makes new heavens and the new earth and we'll be dwelling with him and living with him forever in eternity. May we keep our eyes on the end. Amen? May we keep our focus knowing that this 70 years that we might have, 80 years, even 100 if God, God wills, is just this little bit compared to this much and more in eternity. May we, we keep our focus on the end, knowing that our joy is that we're saved eternally by Jesus Christ. And as we see in the end of verse 14 too, just again this reminder that God's Spirit is resting upon us. His Spirit is resting on us. He's with us. He's carrying us through our suffering. He's carrying us in our suffering. He's with us forever as He brings us into complete, perfect fellowship with Him in the glory of heaven. That's the end that's in sight. Perfect fellowship and unity with Him. We'll, we'll suffer for being faithful followers of Jesus, but we're to respond with joy. And we have much to be joyful about. Uh, verses 
15 and 18, we continue on. And we see here in uh, verses 15 and 18, so we just saw that we're to expect suffering. We saw that we're to rejoice in our suffering. And as we continue, we see that we're to reflect on the cause of our suffering as well. Reflect on the cause of our suffering. Now, there's a difference between uh, punishment we deserve versus punishment for serving Jesus Christ. Difference between punishment we deserve and punishment for suffering for Jesus. Verses 15, he, he, he mentions for us first um, that of a murderer or a thief. So if, if, if one is suffering as a murderer or a thief, one's not suffering for Jesus Christ. And these are obviously um, uh, sins against God, but they're also criminal acts. And so the point that, 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 that God is making for us is that if our suffering comes from breaking the law, our suffering comes from uh, not following the, 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 the laws of the land that God has put over us. That's not a suffering for Christ. And I think what's encouraging too here is, I hope it is for you too. I mean, remember, this specific text was written for the elect exiles here in this time. They were not perfect people. They needed this reminder too. Just as we need this reminder. That just because we have suffering doesn't mean we can just say, suffering for Jesus. No, you're not. You were speeding, and you have to pay that ticket. <laughs> right? <laughs> Amen? <laughs> There's a difference between suffering for our sin versus suffering for following Jesus Christ. And so he, he lists these murdering, uh, murderer, a thiever, which is a fun word to say. Uh, also, he lists evildoer, which... which carries with it that just sense of wrongdoing, not limited to um, breaking the law, but just that sense of wrongdoing. And also he lists that of meddler. Now what's interesting is this Greek word for meddler isn't used anywhere else in the New Testament, uh, isn't used anywhere in the Septuagint, and it isn't used anywhere else in, New, in uh, Greek literature during the time that this letter was written. So, uh, scholars have broken this word down to, to get to uh, uh, what it translates as. And what they come up with is meddler, as we just read here, or some say troublesome meddler. Uh, some say mischief maker, some say busybody, and some say a prior into other men's matters. <laughs> but the point here is that, that God's showing us that it's something that's less serious than murder or stealing. And so we're not to annoy others, right? We're not to annoy others or be a pest or stick our nose where it doesn't belong. That's a self-inflicted suffering. Nobody likes a pest or a meddler. Amen? <laughs> Nobody likes that. And so, so kind of the, the picture that we see here is one who's sticking their nose where it doesn't belong is not going to be liked by those around them, but that's a self-inflicted suffering. Again, totally different than suffering for Jesus Christ. Our suffering as, as believers that we see in this text here is making it even more clear. Our suffering is that which is insulted for following Jesus Christ. As he says in verse 16, God shows us, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed but let him glorify God in that name. Now this, this name Christian that's mentioned here was not what uh, the early Christians 
called themselves, but they grew to embrace it as Christian means follower of Christ, means little Christ, it means imitator of Christ. And they grew to embrace that term. And, and we, we embrace that term too as we're followers of Christ, as we submit to him and walk in his ways. And, and we see here that we're as Christians not to be, not to be ashamed. We're to remain steadfast. We're to, we're to persevere and to not deny Jesus even in the midst of persecution because it's an honor to suffer for Christ. And we're to glorify God. We're to draw attention to him by proclaiming, by proclaiming the goodness of Jesus Christ and life in Jesus Christ. And we're to do that privately, but also publicly. Amen? Do we just limit our talk to, with, with others to the weather? <laughs> or to work? Or do we love Jesus so much that our, our natural speech just, just naturally goes to life in Christ? Goes to the goodness of God's love in saving us? Maybe be people that proclaim the goodness of Jesus. Maybe be people who exalt life in Christ. In verses 17 and 18, uh, point out that it's far better and far more important to endure suffering here at the hands of people than to endure the eternal suffering of unbelievers. Again, verses 17 and 18 points to, points to the end, keeping the end in mind. That it's better to suffer the ridicule of people now than to suffer the punishment of God in hell forever and ever. And, and so I was studying too, as a lot of scholars I came across said that our suffering for Jesus now is a kind of temporal judgment proving who will endure to the end. Our suffering now is a kind of temporal judgment proving who will endure to the end. That tested genuineness of our faith, that, that tested perseverance of our faith, and again, knowing the end is in sight helps us to endure in this temporary time, doesn't it? Helps us to endure this, this brief period, this, this mist, this breath in the scope of eternity that is our life on this earth. And that gives us great joy that this is temporary. As a, as a kid, I uh, went to the dentist a lot because I liked sweets and I don't know, maybe I didn't brush well. I don't know. But I went to the dentist a lot and had a lot of uh, cavities filled. And I remember having one particular cavity with Dr. Fiedler. We were on good terms a lot, it seemed like. And uh, Dr. Fiedler, I remember saying at one point, I had a little cavity, and so he said, it's small. Uh, do you want Novocaine or do you want to try it without Novocaine? I was like seven, eight, or nine. I don't remember exactly how old I was, but... That was his advice, Ron. <laughs> and so I said, okay, well, buddy, since I'm here all the time, you know me better, and uh, sure, we'll try it. And I remember he drilled that tooth with no Novocaine, and I did well until towards the end, and it started to hurt. And I told him that it was starting to hurt, and he just said, hang in there, Eric. You're, you're almost done. Like The end is in sight. And we made it. But knowing that the end was in sight helped me to endure that small time 
of pain. Because I knew it was going to be over soon. The, the suffering that we endure is temporary. Amen? We can have joy in that. That this is temporary in the scope of eternity. It's not going to last forever. And the last thing we see, uh, verse, verse 19, is that we're to trust in our sovereign God while we're suffering. Uh, this final verse points out to us that suffering is part of God's will. Um, that we suffer, when we suffer for Christ, it's part of God's, God's plan. It's part of his plan to, to test us as we've seen. And as we see in our uh, verse 19 here too, that we can entrust our souls to a faithful creator. This, this word entrust is a banking term. And this, this, this entrust means to deposit for safekeeping. That's a cool picture, isn't it? That we can deposit our souls for safekeeping in the hands of our faithful creator. Our creator God who, who created everything by, by his very word, who created and sustains and upholds, who didn't create and step away and abandon, but is intimately involved in all the details of our lives. We can entrust our souls to him for safekeeping. That he won't abandon us in the midst of the, the difficulty and the persecution and the suffering that we walk through. He's carrying us, holding us, helping us to endure this short period of suffering so that we can do it with great joy. We can have joy that our sovereign creator and sustainer is holding us and carrying us. One of the um, stories that sticks out in my mind from church history class in seminary is the story of Perpetua. Uh, Perpetua was uh, a young uh, woman uh, in 202 AD who uh, was newly married, uh, was a new mom, and uh, had just come to faith in Jesus Christ and uh, brought herself to the church to be baptized and brought into membership, uh, into membership of the church. Uh, it was exciting times for Perpetua. It's a 22-year-old girl, 22-year-old young woman. Uh, but Perpetua, because of her faith in Christ, was arrested as a 22-year-old and was sentenced to death in the arena. And uh, so Perpetua, while she was being uh, detained until uh, the time of uh, her um, enduring the arena. Her, her father, who, who was a nobleman, constantly sent her letters asking her to recant so that she would be free of the suffering that she's, she's walking in and the suffering that would ultimately come. And Perpetua, this young 22-year-old woman with her whole life ahead of her, said, I, I cannot. And she told her dad that over and over and over again. She cannot and she will not recant. And so Perpetua was uh, brought into the arena and the accounts say that when Perpetua and her companions were brought into the arena and, and the animals were, were set loose, Perpetua and her companions were singing psalms of praise to God. And a, a wild heifer was uh, set loose on Perpetua and struck her and knocked her down and, and gashed her and as she fell, Perpetua's hair uh, fell down to her shoulders. And in that time period, if your hair fell down, it was a sign of mourning. It was a sign of sorrow. And when that happened, Perpetua stood up, wrapped her hair back up on the top of her head, 
and set her neck out for the executioner to, to execute her, which he did. Now, those in the arena who witnessed the, the death of Perpetua said that Perpetua and her friends walked into the arena with the joy as though they were stepping into heaven. With the joy as though they were stepping into heaven. Brothers and sisters, we have joy in Jesus in the midst of our suffering. Even though we walk through difficulty and suffering and struggle, we have the promise of eternity in Christ. Amen. We have the promise that we'll be with him forever and that this period of suffering is but short. It's a brief period of time in the scope of eternity, the eternity that we'll spend with him. May we joyfully live for Christ in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of ridicule and persecution and struggle and trial because we're faithfully following Christ. May we set our hope in Jesus. May we keep our eyes fixated on him because we will suffer when we're faithfully following Jesus. But may we respond with joy as we're commanded to here today. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, we do come to this text acknowledging that we're, we're people who don't, we don't like to suffer. Uh, we don't like to go through hard times or difficult times or struggles or trials. But that we do know that you do have that in store for us simply because we are following you, walking in step with you and not walking in step with this world that we're, we're aliens of, that we're living in right now. We ask, Lord God, that you would help us to stand firm. Just as our theme for this passage or this series is, is help us to stand firm, um, to faithfully live for you <clears throat> in all that you have us walk through. And Lord, we pray that you would just help us to see evidence in our own lives uh, when we are persecuted, when we're put through struggle and trial and suffering. Lord, help us to have your eyes that see that as evidence that we're walking with you and that we're counted worthy to endure suffering just as our Savior Jesus Christ did. So we ask that you give us your spirit so that we would constantly um, be faithful to you no matter what we walk through. I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord. Encourage them, uh, challenge them, challenge us, and help us, Lord God, to have eyes fixated on living for you in all things. Thank you again for your word. Um, thank you again for your love for us in Christ. Thank you for saving us. Lord, we confess our need for you each and every day, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.